Ladies and gentlemen, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. The return of me, Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> That's right, y'all. I'm back. Long waited overdue. Sorry for the delay and whatever the hell else y'all had to listen to, but I'm back. All right. And let's get right into it. In case you missed Monday's show, Bill Maher does it again. Upsets Jason, start gets him started on a fire starter, and Jason talks about his most recent show, Going After the Woke Left. You're not going to want to miss this. Man, it must sound good to hear my voice again. Huh? Bearded conservative talk show host, Bill Maher, he did it again. He turned his Friday night HBO platform, Real Time with Bill Maher, into a smorgasbord of left-wing ridicule. He ended his show trashing the woke, arguing that the events in Afghanistan are an example of what real systemic oppression looks like. Earlier in the broadcast, he lamented the success of Fox News host Greg Gutfeld's comedic late night show, suggesting the left had opened itself to satire by adopting talking points that sound like onion headlines. Take a listen to Bill Maher talking about Gutfeld and the left opening itself up to criticism. This is why there is an opening for conservative comedy. Because, you know, when you, when you tear down statues of Abraham Lincoln in the land of Lincoln, land of Lincoln cancels Lincoln, it's an onion headline. You know, three-year-olds pick their own gender is an onion headline. You know, a lot of this stuff that goes on on the left now, it's, you know, Seattle votes to decriminalize crime. <laughs> now, the problem is that they don't know how to do comedy. But if they found someone who did, they could. Because I do it more here than I used to. Because comedy goes where the funny is. And there is funny on the left now, as well as the right. In a fascinating moment of unintended irony, Mar later in the show griped that politics was becoming a new religion and that America would be better off if we talked less about politics. You gotta remember, Mar is an atheist. In 2008, he released a documentary, Religious, that mocked religious faith. He's unwittingly becoming aware that removal of religion from American culture creates a void that is filled by the idolatry of partisan politics. I'd love to be in the room when Mar finally realizes that unity among disparate humans can only be achieved through faith in God. I believe he'll have that epiphany within the next 12 months. He's too honest to remain in denial. An honest man can only pretend to be a liberal Democrat for so long and television is an uncomfortable platform for the last honest man. Each week, Mar sounds more and more like a short-time HBO employee. Nothing breeds honesty more than an expiration date, and honest people can't work forever within corporate media. The restraints are just too tight. Bill Maher is his generation's George Carlin, the pot-smoking culture critic who performed regular stand-up specials for HBO during the 1970s and 80s. Like Carlin, Marr is as smart as he is funny. Unlike Carlin, 
Mars Too Smart for the current iteration of HBO, a subsidiary of globalist te telecommunications company AT&T since 2016. When Mara arrived at HBO in 2003, the network was at its creative and risk-taking zenith. At the time of Mara's arrival, The Sopranos and The Wire made HBO the envy of television. AT&T's acquisition of HBO dulled the network's edge. HBO is safe and corporate. It supports the social engineering the establishment is orchestrating. Mara's doing the best he can, but she can't tell the truth on HBO. Not the whole truth. Friday night was a prime example. While complaining about the Biden administration's catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, Mara expressed disappointment that the adults, Democrats, handled the pullout as poorly as he theorized the children, Republicans, would. This is becoming a regular theme for Mara. He argues that Democrats are mature, rational, and thinking adults, and Republicans are immature, emotional, and unsophisticated children. Mars too wise to believe any of this. Thomas Jefferson and the nation's founders identified America's children at the outset. Politicians are the kids, whether Federalist or Anti-Federalist, whether Democrat or Republican. Jefferson, George Washington, and the rest recognize the childishness of politics and politicians. The founders devised a system designed for the people to supervise the children elected to public office. The adults assigned the primary task of babysitting politicians. They're called journalists, reporters, pundits, the media, and the press. When the adults act like children, chaos and tyranny take root. When there is no credible supervision of politicians, the entire idea of self-government falls apart. In 1787, Jefferson wrote a letter to Edward Carrington, a confidant of George Washington, stating the importance of journalism. Jefferson wrote, the people are the only censors of their governors, and even their errors will tend to keep these to the true principles of their institution. The way to prevent these irregular interpositions of the people is to give them full information of their affairs through the channel of public papers and to contrive that those papers should penetrate the whole mass of people the basis of our government's being the opinion of the people, the very first object should be to keep that right and were it left to me to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter. The media, they have failed America. The mainstream media merged with global corporations, the Democratic Party, and government intelligence agencies. It no longer acts as an independent fourth estate in charge of supervising the legislative, executive, and judicial branches of government. Corporate media, they supervise Donald Trump and anyone else classified as an impediment to the Great Reset and the reshaping of America into an authoritarian regime similar to China. From his $10 million a year HBO AT&T perch, 
Mark cannot comfortably attack corporate media, the real children selling out America. He can insinuate the stupidity and dishonesty of the New York Times' 1619 project, but a full-on assault of the woke's Pravda would be a suicide mission. It would bait Me Too allegations. The woke culture that Marr constantly rails against would not exist if the alleged adults did their job. The Times, CNN, MSNBC, Politico, ESPN, CBS News, The Washington Post, they all serve woke trick bait for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Marr thinks American oppression pales in comparison to Afghanistan oppression. He's right, but for how long? We're trending in the oppressive direction of all nations that govern without proper supervision of its elected officials. Power corrupts. There are no good guys in politics, only children in need of spankings by the press. When the media refuses to discipline politicians, oppress and revoke freedoms. You must wear a mask. You must take a vaccine. You must tolerate violations of privacy for your own safety. It's all a slippery slope. Things change quickly. One day, the people shouting, I'm with her and believe all women and Sharia law is misogynistic. Those people turn into the same people defending the execution of an unarmed, five foot two, 135 pound woman for posing a threat to the House of Representatives. Oh, sweet black baby Jesus. In case you haven't heard on Tuesday, Cam, I'll be damn Newton, became a, excuse me for a minute. Cam Newton became a casualty of COVID, y'all. You gotta hear this. We sat here and had a discussion about how Cam was toast and everybody else in the media was was talking about Cam was going to be the starter. The leader. Yeah, <laughs> but they were not, just yesterday. They were people saying, oh, he's definitely going to be the starter. Uh, you know, Bill certainly wouldn't let him go. He'd yeah. le- at least keep him on the bench. Yeah. We told y'all yesterday Cam was done uh, and that Bill P- Belichick needed to move on and make Mac Jones the starter. And that's what he did today. Greg will join us. And of course, We'll throw a little curveball, switch things up. Professor D. Delano uh, will join us later in the show. We'll talk about his column today about the author, uh, Robin D'Angelo. You guys know her. She wrote White Fragility. She's one of these hot liberal writers or whatever that everybody's talking about. Delano's got a great take on on her uh, for TheBlaze.com. But uh, we want to start with me Uh, starting a fire and this is just I had a different whole different game plan uh, for today and then the cam news broke and was like hey man we got to go all cam all the time I'm glad you told me about that like five minutes before I'm sorry really that you did. don't. I'm sorry you don't follow the news. I mean, I, you literally did. You said, "Oh yeah, we doing that now. <laughs> Bring it on, buddy." Well, anyway, uh, COVID cut Cam. <laughs> I'm sorry, Uncle Jimmy survived COVID. Cam Newton didn't. 
That's what happened when you work for Bill Belichick yeah. and when you work, work for Gaston Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Jim, you're working for me. Uh, <laughs> so let's keep it real. Uh, <laughs> That's why my ass almost got cut. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> now you understand. Bill Belichick, he ain't about that life. And I, I don't want to in any way dance on Cam's grave. Uh, I, I was... I love Cam at Auburn when he came into the NFL and had that MVP season. I was, what they call it, the dab? I was dabbing right with him. Or was that, yeah, he did the dab, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. or was Superman, that, he, or was that cop? No, that was him. He, he, no, that was, he, he did, he the, did dab. the dab and the Superman. He, he did the Superman. Yeah. And, but hold on, I think Kaepernick, I can't remember who did what. But I was on board with Cam Newton. But I've always said, when uh, Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, when remember they kicked him out of the NFL on some BS, Jerry Richardson treated Cam like a son, former NFL player that became a billionaire and bought the Carolina Panthers, old white guy, everybody. He, he told Cam, hey man, we ain't doing the earring thing, we ain't doing the wild hair, we ain't doing all the tattoos and all that. We're gonna keep it business. Once Jerry Richardson stepped away from the Carolina Panthers, was forced to go look at Cam's career. And I know injuries played a big part in it, but Cam tapped into the wild side. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, Cam's hair was crazy. Cam was showing up to press conferences with scarves wrapped around his head and and, uh, clothing choices that were crazy. And it was all about far more than football with Cam Newton. He was interested in everything beyond football. And his career suffered. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, he was injured. You can't control injuries. I'm not sure if he would be injured and beat up if he had developed as a pocket passer and needed to run the football less. He would have taken less hits and had a longer career as a franchise quarterback. But because he continued to rely on his running ability. And the guy's six foot five, 260 pounds, built like a Greek god. I mean, Built a lot like me, to be honest with you. I get how that can play into your ego and make you think you're invincible. And Cam thought he was invincible, but you cannot run through these NFL defenses for long, particularly not at the quarterback position. Adrian Peterson can get away with it because playing running back is a very instinctive position. It's not, you don't have to get in the huddle and call plays as a running back. You don't have to know the difference between cover two and cover three and a single high safety. And if they blitz, I'm supposed to check to this or check to that. They hand Adrian Peterson the ball and tell him to run. Virtually any, my mama could do that. She couldn't do it as well as Adrian Peterson, but she could run some may not get very far, may not even make it to the line of scrimmage. But that's not a thinking man's position. I'm sorry. When you play the thinking man's position, you can't just run around all the time because you get out of breath. You get hit. You see stars. I would say, as an offensive lineman, playing in the Mid-American Conference, not the NFL, not the SEC, but there was two or three times a game 
where you'd get your bell rung and you would see stars just playing in the Mid-American Conference as an offensive lineman. Just me colliding with another big dude, play after play. Running the football eight to ten times a game, taking sacks in the huddle, getting out of breath, getting hit, seeing star. It's hard to do that at the quarterback position. Cam played the position wrong. I've seen a lot of people uh, today say a lot of silly things about Cam and what happened and, uh, you know, is it is it COVID? And again, COVID played a role in this because that's another example of Cam not taking care of business. He, he, He. fell into the NFL protocol violations and got set down for uh, five days. Bill Belichick said at the time, that opened the door for Mac uh, Jones to be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. If you watch the Patriots' last uh, preseason game against the Giants, I believe, yeah, uh, it was clear as day on Saturday, like, oh, Cam, He's not a starting quarterback anymore in the NFL. It's, it's just over. Two of five, an interception, 10 yards. You, you just can't have, once you got into the COVID protocol and you're an unvaccinated player, it, once you did that, your play has to be flawless and spotless. There can't be any questions about whether you can or can't do it. The NFL's rules, which I think are unfair, and we will get into that to some degree today. The NFL rules are unfair for unvaccinated players. Cam's already had COVID. He has the antibodies. He, in my view, he shouldn't be forced to take the vaccine. The NFL is trying to force everybody to take the vaccine. And so they've come up with all these rules and Cam violated the protocol that you can leave town, but you have to be vaccinated at the Patriots facility or whatever team you play for at their facility, you have to be tested every day. Cam left town on a approved trip. It was a medical trip approved by the Patriots, but he didn't get vaccinated that day at the Patriots facility. He got vaccinated wherever he had traveled to. The NFL is trying to jam this vaccine down all of their players' throats. I get what Cam is doing. He's had the virus. He has the antibodies. He doesn't want to take the vaccine. But he has to understand the position that he's in as an unvaccinated player in the NFL every day. So you can get the tested first thing in the morning, go out of town, Come back the next day, but the next day you better show your butt up at that facility at some point that day and get tested. He didn't do it. Five days sitting out, couldn't be with the team because of these bogus NFL rules. And then when you come out and play as poorly as he played in the third preseason game, Bill Belichick, because all coaches have some sort of scale, There's a line of BS that they will tolerate as long as the line of talent that you bring to the table Mm. is much longer than your BS line. Okay. Cam has become an average football player. So there's only an average amount of BS that they're going to tolerate. 
He's delivering as an unvaccinated player. It's just too high risk. These rules are set up to penalize and punish and trip up the unvaccinated players. They're not going to take that risk with the New England Patriots with their starting quarterback that he's going to get tripped up at some point during the week or during the season on these vaccine rules. It costs Cam Newton. And this is what a lot of people have been saying about Cam Newton from day one. The details. Is he buttoned up? Will he do all the little things you need to do at the quarterback position to be successful? The answer, particularly since Jerry Richardson got forced out of the NFL with the Carolina Panthers, the answer has been no. And Bill Belichick cut Cam loose. It's not, I'm not shocked. I think people around the league are are shocked. The other thing that uh, I'll get into with with, uh, TJ and Rich and, and Greg Couch is, of, of all the silly things I read and saw uh, today, Jim, the silliest uh, was Corey Smith in my text messages. <laughs> if you remember yesterday, off camera, we had a discussion where Corey was trying to tell me Cam was a Hall of Fame football player. And you... And I rejected that yesterday out here in front of everybody. I texted him this morning after Cam gets cut. I was like, you still want to stand on that opinion that uh, Cam Newton is going to the Hall of Fame? And this man stood on that opinion. It's the silliest, dumbest thing I've heard. And I've seen a lot of dumb stuff over Twitter about Cam Newton. But anybody who thinks Cam Newton is going to the Hall of Fame doesn't understand Football or the Hall of Fame process. Can you name me one player in the NFL, not the NBA, in the NFL Hall of Fame who's considered an underachiever? And that's what Cam Newton's legacy will be. He underachieved. On Wednesday show, Bill, a.k.a. Don Juan Belichick, he weighed in on the NFL's COVID policy. And if you know Bill, you know what he's going to say. Uh, I don't like that policy worth a darn, but it is what it is, and then we got a football game to play. Take a listen and see what you think. Based on his comments Wednesday morning, it's fair to conclude Bill Belichick is no fan of the NFL's nonsensical and highly divisive COVID protocols. The Patriots head coach started his day meeting with the media. For about 10 minutes, reporters probed football's greatest coach for insight into the reasoning that caused the team to cut starting quarterback Cam Newton. Belichick provided no such insight. He dodged every direct question concerning Cam and pivoted to offering not-so-subtle gripes about the league's convoluted and authoritarian COVID protocols. When asked if Cam's unvaccinated status contributed to his departure, Here's how Belichick responded. Did Cam's vaccination status have anything to do with him being released? No. No, I, I mean, look, you guys keep talking about that. And, you know, I would just point out that I don't know what the number is. I mean, you guys can look it up. You have the access to a lot of information. But the number of players and coaches and staff members that have, um, you know, been infected by COVID in this training camp who have been vaccinated is a pretty high number. So, 
I, I wouldn't lose sight of that. Later in the press conference, a reporter asked a second question regarding Cam's vaccination status and the impact of Cam missing practice because of the league's COVID protocols. Here's that clip. We have other players on the team who aren't vaccinated, as I would say probably does every other team in the league. And we've had uh, minimal, but throughout the league, there have been a number of, quite a high number, I would say, of players who have you know, had the virus who have been vaccinated. So you know, your implication that vaccination solves every problem is just not really, I would say that that has not been substantiated based on what's happened in training camp this year. That's all. All right, let's be clear here. The reporter did not imply anything. Belichick knows this. He knows the NFL and the NFLPA have implied that the vaccine solves every problem. He knows that's not true. He knows the NFL isn't forcing the vaccine on its players out of concern for their safety. They're doing it to appease critics of football. They're doing it to align with the big tech social media overlords. The NFL knows that if it doesn't bully its players into taking the vaccine, corporate media will double and triple down on their assault on football. Roger Goodell and the league's office have spent the past decade trying to make peace with their enemies through appeasement. Who is the NFL's enemy? The political left, the people determined to tear down the patriarchy, the feminists who labeled masculinity as toxic, the alleged journalists who have distorted football's concussion issue, the woke warriors who want to end football. It's all connected. Gunnell thinks fighting for football means making peace with people who hate football. It's not gonna happen. Last year, the NFL bowed to the Black Lives Matter mob. The league draped itself in Marxist ideology and utopian slogans. This year, it's embracing pandemic panic, forcing young men in relatively perfect health to inject an experimental drug is ludicrous. The NFL played an entire season a year ago with no one vaccinated. Did one NFL player die? Did any NFL player get hospitalized during the season with COVID? These players are not all stupid sheep. They know the COVID survival rate. They know older, fat, unhealthy people are the people who should be taking extra precautions. They know the NFL has no business getting this deep into their medical decisions. So does Bill Belichick. A reporter asked him to cite the number of unvaccinated Patriot players. Listen to this response. How many players on the team are still not vaccinated? Yeah, again, I'm not gonna get into that. Those are all personal decisions and that's not my place to talk about another person's decision or medical condition. What's going on in the NFL is a joke. It not only violates the players' personal rights, it violates the unifying tenets of team sports. Vaccinated and unvaccinated players are being treated differently in things as small as where they can eat in team facilities and what they can eat at the team facility. Unvaccinated players have to report to the facility much earlier than unvaccinated players. It's all stupid. It's all theater to appease the media. Most of the vaccinated, including the coaches, took the vaccine under personal protest. 
You can't convince me a group of mostly 20-something men believe getting the vaccine is in their best interest. The NFL is immersed in the same political theater as the rest of the country. Sports used to be a leader. Now sports leagues are followers. I'm as frustrated as Bill Belichick. On Thursday's show, Jason dared to go down the bowels of hell and question Tom Brady and the fact of whether or not he's an anti-vaxxer or not. Take a look, take a listen, and see for yourself if he can make it through this without bursting into flames. An experimental medical procedure is being forced upon some of the healthiest people on the planet. And America's corporate media are reluctant to talk honestly about the chaotic ramifications. COVID chaos is sweeping the sports world. COVID chaos's impact on sports dwarfs Colin Kaepernick's knee and Megan Rapinoe's self-aggrandizement. COVID chaos will likely define this NFL season. COVID chaos is the most underreported story in sports. Oh sure, corporate media reports the headlines. You'll hear about Jaguars coach Urban Meyer admitted the obvious. Vaccination status played a role in roster decisions. You'll hear about Patriots coach Bill Belichick claiming that Cam Newton's VAC status played no role in the quarterback's departure. Baseball executive, I don't know if you heard this one, Jim, Bob Boone used to be the manager of the Royals, refused to comply with the Washington Nationals vaccine mandate and resigned. Everybody heard about this yesterday. UFC broadcaster and popular podcaster Joe Rogan, he contracted COVID and announced he'd taken ivermectin and other drugs to slay the virus. Then, of course, unvaccinated Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, he spent time in the protocol, the NFL protocol. Corporate media are feeding us a steady diet of headlines, news stories with little depth, and a consistent narrative that unvaxxed athletes and people are selfish, irresponsible Trump supporters. Like everything else in this country, COVID chaos is an outgrowth of our political polarization, corporate media's partnership with the Democratic Party, and the media's pervasive fear of being on the wrong side of big tech censorship. There's one approved opinion on COVID. That opinion is that experimental vaccines are the only responsible way to combat the virus. You'll never convince me Tom Brady believes that. No way, never convince me of that. Remember back in early August when Brady blasted the NFL Players Association over social media? He claimed he was upset about the reduction in the salary cap. He stated, NFL players better wake up. And he added the NFLPA. NFL players are ignorant, he said in all caps. The salary cap dropped by 20% and the new media deals were announced after 2021 salary cap was set. The most important football player of all time nuked the players union. The story came and went without a great deal of conversation. Brady's never been a professional athlete chasing every dime. I'm sure he cares about money, but he has much stronger passions than the pursuit of wealth. You know, Giselle's got enough money for both of them, for all, for all of them. It's, 
it, it would raise my passion. Baby <laughs> One of Brady's passions is health. He's a health nut. He's meticulous about what he puts into his body. In 2013, he started a performance and nutrition company, TB12. At the same time Brady ripped the NFLPA, veteran NFL players reached out to me complaining about the COVID protocols the NFLPA agreed to with the NFL. The players believe DeMarie Smith, the executive director of the union, agreed to the protocols without properly informing members of the union. The players, even the ones who have taken a vaccine, are irate. They feel betrayed by their union and they feel voiceless. They say they've reached out to traditional NFL journalists and have been told their story and concerns are untouchable. Oh, you remember, Jim. The media is a voice for the voiceless. Except when the NFL says no. Except when China says no. Ouch. Listen to this, Jim. One player told me Brady criticized the union over the salary cap as a way of complaining about the COVID protocols. DeMarie Smith shoved past the players. I don't know Brady's vaccination status. I spent all this morning uh, trying to find it. I couldn't find a specific, a specific story on the topic. That seems odd given his stature and reputation regarding health. No one is asking the Benjamin Button of professional sports Ouch. about the vaccine. I find that interesting. Another player alleged he is aware of several NFL players who obtained fake vaccination cards during the offseason and provided them as proof of vaccination to their teams. I'm not mentioning that to suggest that's what Brady did. I'm saying it because I could see how and why many NFL players would do just that. Young people naturally feel invincible. Consider the physical conditioning of a typical professional athlete and then ask yourself, how many football, basketball, baseball, and hockey players believe they need to take an experimental vaccine for a virus that kills less than 1% of its victims? COVID chaos is the most divisive thing to ever hit professional sports. The people in least need of the vaccine are being forced to take it. Teams are operating separate dining rooms and separate rules for the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. If an NFL team is forced to forfeit a game and paychecks over positive tests, don't be surprised when the players rise up and overthrow DeMarie Smith the worst union head in the history of professional sports. In the history. Let's hope it happens, Jim. This is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to forfeit a game and some paychecks. I think that would turn Tom Brady into a revolutionary and he would overthrow DeMarie Smith and the media would finally have to fully address COVID chaos. I think everybody's tiptoeing around this topic. No one wants to go at it fully and address it, the ramifications of it, how unfairly uh, the unvaxxed players are being treated. No one wants to be a voice for the voiceless. 
and it start, it, it's pissing me off, and that's why I'm going to keep beating this drum damn near every day that I can. So you saying that you, you hope Tom Brady goes out here and takes a knee? <laughs> Pretty much. That would be awesome. On Friday's show, my guy, J-Dub, Big Wit, asked the question, is America losing the mold war with China? If you don't know what the mold war is, you need to stay tuned and give a listen. Check it out. Uh, we're losing the mold war to China. Did you get that? M-O-L-D, the mold war to China. The Asian superpower and America's economic and military rival is molding its culture in masculinity. America is doing the reverse. <laughs> With a gentle nudge from China, we're leaping into our feminine energy. We're leaning into our feminine energy. On Thursday, China's lawmakers announced a ban on television programming with the incorrect political positions, including shows featuring effeminate men. Jim, I don't know if you could work in China. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party is pushing back against the feminization of men. Meanwhile, here in America, we're celebrating it. Also on Thursday, the rapper Little Nasty X-Rated, or Little Nas X, partnered with People Magazine to promote the fallacy that he's having a baby. In an extravagant photo spread, Little Nas was pictured pregnant. His new album, Montiero, is slated to be born on September 17th. Little Nasty X put out over social media, surprise! I can't believe I'm finally announcing this. My little bundle of joy, Montiero, is due September 17th, 2021. Yeah, see over here in America, we have birthing people. Did you know that, Jim? We, have, we don't have uh, pregnant women, we have birthing people. Men can have babies here in America. I know many of you think we should ignore Little Nasty X-Rated. Mm-hmm, I'm one of them. He's a troll. The maker of Old Town Road is a one-hit wonder who is constantly courting controversy for relevance because his music is no good. I wish all of that were true. Little Nas is important because he has the support of our cultural puppet masters. Mm. There's a reason People Magazine supported his pregnancy photos. Little Nas is bait for the minds of young people. He's a tool being used to feminize little boys. Old Town Road made him an icon among grade schoolers. Now that he's an influencer of the young, he's putting out music to influence young boys into the LGBTQ plus direction. Every other month, he executes an attention-grabbing stunt connected to a sexual taboo. When he's not giving the devil a lap dance, he's twerking naked in a prison shower or posed in a satin white dress with a huge baby bump. Just a few years ago, we were, perhaps falsely, led to believe that three to 4% of Americans were gay. Now, when you turn on television or open a social media app, society is presented as, presented as a narrative centered around alternative sexual identities. Transgenders make up 
1% of society, maybe less than that. But 50% of our conversations are centered around transgenders. This is by design and manipulation. If China is attempting to build a more masculine society, what kind of society would it love for its chief rival to adopt? America is ruled by toxic femininity. The pleasing of emotions and feelings is our highest priority. We take so seriously the protection of feelings and emotions that thought crimes are judged more harshly than actual crimes. January 6th is a great example. The rioters at the Capitol have been labeled and treated as insurrectionists, even though the damage they caused at the Capitol pales in comparison to a typical Black Lives Matter and Antifa riot. The real crime of January 6th is wrong think. The rioters wrongly think Donald Trump was a good president. Support of Trump offends the sensibilities of feminized Americans. Man can never please, can never really fully please a woman. It's not in her nature to feel fulfilled. There's always more, something better. I'm sorry if that offends. It's my belief. It's my belief that we're building a society that makes laws and rules based on feelings. A fleeting, flighty, and filthy emotion. Emotions and feelings drive the behavior of weak people. Modern culture says men are weak when they don't expose their emotions. The truth is men are weak when they don't control and tame their emotions. So are societies. Human beings are capable of feeling a lot of things. Biological boys feel like girls. Biological girls feel like boys. I have sympathy for every human who suffers identity confusion. But we can't make laws focused on satisfying the feelings of confused people. Where does it stop? There are human beings who feel like dogs and cats. I'm not being flippant. I do not doubt that Bruce Jenner felt like a woman trapped in a man's body. I don't doubt it for one second, but we can't make laws based on people's feelings. Feelings change. A fair society presents challenges for all of us. Should airlines be forced to exchange the size of their seats because I feel uncomfortable in a standard coach seat? There are consequences for untamed feelings and desires. I feel like eating McDonald's five times a day. There's a price for that. There's a price America is going to pay for its emasculation of men. China is taking steps to collect that debt. Little Nas X is just another maxed out credit card in the mold world. Hey, by the way, you can go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock or go to the Twitter at Whitlock Jason or go to Jason Whitlock on Facebook. Now, also, let me tell you something. You can join us daily at 6 p.m. Central Time. We watch the show daily. 
We have some nice fans out there. We have some demented fans out there. But nonetheless, join the crowd. Get in on this fearless mob that's going on. Become part of the movement. Become a trendsetter and stop being trend followers. Remember, be fearless. Talk to you next week.